This is an audio version of Why Anima International Suspended the Campaign to End Live Fish Sales in Poland by Jakub Stencel and Veronika Zurek, published on the 31st of December 2022. This is a link post for a blog post on animainternational.org. At Anima International, we recently decided to suspend our campaign against live fish sales in Poland indefinitely. After a few years of running the campaign, we are now concerned about the effects of our efforts, specifically the possibility of a net negative result for the lives of animals. We believe that by writing about it openly, we can help foster a culture of intellectual honesty, information sharing and accountability. Ideally, our case can serve as a good example on reflecting on potential unintended consequences of advocacy interventions. Heading. Summary. This is a list of points. The first. Some post-communist countries of Eastern Europe have a tradition of buying live carp in shops and slaughtering them at homes for Christmas Eve. Next point. Poland is a major importer and producer of carps, with 90% of domestic production consumed during the Christmas season. Next point. Many groups, including Anima International, oppose and target the practice because of its incredible cruelty as well as significant public sentiment against it. Next point. Due to successful efforts of animal advocacy groups, important victories were achieved, including major retailers withdrawing from selling live fish. Next point. A consumer trend to move away from carp to higher status fish like salmon is observed. Next point. Anima International became increasingly worried that any effort to displace carp consumption may lead to increased animal suffering due to salmon farming requiring fish feed. Next point, we ran polls and created a rough model to check these assumptions and then considered how our strategy should look like. And the final point, after careful consideration of a number of factors, including effectiveness estimates, we decided to disband our team focused on the campaign and invest the resources elsewhere. And there's an image here of a pair of fish curled up inside a plastic bag and the opening of the bag is being clenched very tightly in somebody's fist so that the bag is very tightly constricting the fish and squashing them together. Heading. Carp in post-communist countries. Common carp, Cyprinus carpio, is a domesticated freshwater fish. It's the third largest fish farmed in the world's aquaculture production. Poland is the European Union's largest producer and top importer. What is especially bizarre about Poland and other similar countries in Central and Eastern Europe is the relatively recent custom of buying live carps during the Christmas period. The tradition developed around 70 years ago due to a combination of factors. Here are three points. First, post-war reality. Destruction of fishing fleets made carp farming a desirable investment. Next point, religion. In Christianity, fish is not considered meat and is thus allowed during periods of fasting. And finally, communism. There was a special government-established fish allowance under which people received live fish, refrigerators were uncommon, from their employers as Christmas bonuses. That's the end of those points. Due to this strong tradition, we use the term tradition here as it's considered as such by Poles, but as explained, it's quite a new practice. 90% of Polish domestic production is sold around Christmas and around 25% of the population reports buying the carp alive, based on Anima International's unpublished 2021 poll in Poland. There is an intense public debate around this subject in Poland at this time of year. And here's an image of some kind of rusty cage with wire mesh and it seems to be full of dead fish.
Heading, suffering of carps in Poland. Subheading, carp farming and the industry. Carps are farmed in small ponds. As omnivores, they feed on small invertebrates and later transition to special grain-based feed. There are 3,000 farms in Poland with an additional 1,000 businesses engaged in carp aquaculture. According to 2020 reports, Polish carp aquaculture was the biggest in the European Union, making up 36% of freshwater fish production in Poland. While the Polish carp industry seems to be gaining momentum in Europe, it appears that popular demand and changing trends in consumption may be leading to stagnation. As economic models emerge, they point to aesthetics and the difficulty of preparation rather than price driving the stagnation, especially among young adults. From our anecdotal experience, this seems intuitive, as carp hasn't been marketed well by the industry. We have seen experts pushing the industry to market carp better to fit the new trends. Subheading, number of animals. It's worth mentioning here that fish numbers are reported in tonnes, so we can only use rough estimates. FAO FishStatJ database states that 23 million 20,000 kilogram of carp were produced in aquaculture in Poland in 2019. It's hard to pinpoint the preferable weight for carp for uses other than live sale. If we assumed that the preferred weight is the same as for live sales, which is unlikely, then it would mean that Poland produces a total of 11 million carps in a year. While we know the volume of carp production, it's not easy to obtain reliable data on live carps sold each year. The best estimates that we currently use come from the Polish Association of Fish Processors. They estimate that approximately 4 million kilograms of live carps are sold each year in the country. That data was obtained through contact with the producers. The average carp sold in markets and shops is 3 years old and weighs between 1.2 kilograms to 2.5 kilograms. For simplicity's sake, we assume that on average a carp weighs 2 kilograms when sold. This translates to around 2 million live carps sold each year in Poland. While it's an enormous number of individual animals, it's relatively low in comparison to animals like broilers, of which around 1 billion are killed in Poland every year. Subheading. Animal mortality rate. It's worth noting that factory farming optimises output per resource used. While it may seem counterintuitive that farmers would be fine with high mortality rates, in principle, what matters is not how many animals die, but how much profit is gained. As a consequence, for each animal killed and delivered as the final product, we have to consider how many more of them die in the process. According to Animal Charity Evaluator's Report Appendix, Table 4, that's linked here, the combined survival rate in farmed common carp equals approximately 20.6%. Therefore, we estimate that approximately one in five carp survives until slaughter. Heading, live carp sales. Subheading, transportation. Carps are transported in very poor conditions, resulting from the disregard of any welfare concerns and the fish being ill-adapted to endure such treatment. At first, they are taken out of ponds, moved to special tanks, deprived of food and prepared to be transported alive. Then the fish are loaded onto trucks and shipped to retailers. They are often transported without water and in overcrowded conditions. This level of negligence induces high levels of stress, resulting in serious injury or death. Subheading, treatment by vendors. Carps are usually held in overcrowded water containers, often in dirty, 
bloodied and inadequately oxygenated water. Shops and staff engage in the sale of live animals only over a few weeks of the year and are therefore not experienced in handling these animals, especially when it comes to slaughter. Footage of the conditions in shops is very graphic and generates a lot of attention in the media. Subheading, treatment by consumers. People usually take the fish home in a container or plastic bag filled with water. Sadly, sometimes carps are transported in bags or containers without water, which under Polish law should be considered animal cruelty and thus illegal. Carps are then kept until Christmas Eve, when they are killed. Needless to say, most people are untrained in killing animals, which frequently results in an unnecessarily painful death, usually without any kind of stunning. Polish law states that it's illegal for an untrained individual to kill an animal, but in this private context, laws against such violations are very unlikely to be enforced. Heading. Two decades of advocacy work on live fish sales in Poland. The horrific and visible cruelty toward carps in Poland made it an obvious target for animal advocacy campaigns. Activists use various tools to help animals. Nowadays, every major animal advocacy organisation in Poland has a campaign about live carp sales, like Viva, Albert Schweitzer Foundation, Compassion and Anima International, known in Poland under Odwarte Klatki brand. Here are multiple headings representing different campaigns and strategies that have been used in Poland. Public outreach campaigns. Since as early as 1998, organisations like Klub Gaia were discussing the problem. Later on, other organisations joined. Work included launching media campaigns, working with top influencers and petitioning. Investigations. When it comes to live carp practices, there are two kinds of investigative material. The first type depicts the cruelty happening in shops and is usually filmed by activists, consumers or even staff. The other type shows the farming practices. Here, Anima International provided most of the footage in Poland. Legal advocacy. A lot of focus in campaigning for fish is directed at changing the law. There have been instances of successful pushes for better welfare recommendations and important legal court rulings. Building alliances. Despite some of the laws protecting fish in Poland, authorities were ignorant or reluctant to enforce the law. Groups like Klub Gaia worked with the Polish police and offered training to educate forces on what they should do to uphold the law. Corporate outreach. Many groups targeted companies to withdraw from selling live fish. Most notably, a coalition was formed by Viva, Albert Schweitzer Foundation, Compassion in World Farming and Anima International to coordinate better. And here's an image of a young person dressed in warm clothing, wearing a red Odwarte Klatki beanie, and handing out a pamphlet with a picture of a carp on it that says stop on the front. It appears to be in a shopping centre parking lot. Subheading, milestones. From the standpoint of campaigning for carps, one of the most important outcomes was pushing seven key supermarket chains in 2019 to stop selling live fish that resulted in obtaining their public commitments. A key legal milestone was the victory of animal activist and lawyer Karolina Kuschlewitz to prosecute staff in one of the supermarkets, E. Leclerc, for mistreatment of carps. After 10 years of legal struggle, the case finally reached the Supreme Court of Poland, which overturned previous instances and ruled in favour of fish, finding staff guilty of cruelty. The court pointed to the shop manager as directly responsible for mistreatment. 
This created an important precedent for every court and prosecutor in Poland and sent a message to the public, especially businesses, that they should not think that cruelty toward fish will go unpunished. Footnote here reads, Poland uses civil law, not common law, so precedent, in quotes, has a slightly different meaning and significantly less legal bearing than in Anglo-Saxon countries. Back to the main text. Finally, public support for the live fish ban is high. In our representative poll, 59% of polls said that welfare needs of fish in shops are not met, and 44% were in favour of a ban on live fish sales. 40% were against. It may not be intuitive why we consider it significant support, as people are rarely in favour of bans, especially when it comes to selling products. For comparison, in 2016, 41% of the Polish population were in favour of the ban on cage eggs, which allowed us to convince companies covering most of the market to commit to stop using and or selling cage eggs. Heading. Strategy re-evaluation in Anima International Fish Campaign Team. In Anima International, teams are quite autonomous. Some teams consist to varying degrees of volunteers managed by the teams higher in the hierarchy. Our fish team was one of the minor teams as we focus mostly on other campaigns, like hens or broilers. Nevertheless, in 2018 we increased our resources in this area because we spotted an opportunity to get companies to commit to stop selling live fish. We focus mostly on consumer awareness, obtaining footage from farms through investigation, and corporate outreach, together with Viva, Albert Schweitzer Foundation and Compassion in World Farming. We successfully recorded footage from carp farms, which wasn't available in Poland before, and managed to get major retailers to commit to stop selling live fish. This was an enormous victory after years of campaigning for fish in Poland. While planning the strategy for the team in 2021, the new manager of the campaign, Veronika Zurek, stumbled upon more news about people in Poland switching to other fish species during Christmas, one of them being salmon. Carp is an omnivorous fish, fed predominantly grain and soy, whereas salmon is a carnivorous fish, which in turn uses more animals in farming. The potential effect of that made us worried. We decided to reduce our actions around Christmas 2021 until we could investigate this further. Subheading. Impact reassessment. Carnivorous species like salmon or tuna must be fed with an almost exclusively animal-derived feed, such as fish meal and fish oil. FMFO, which are made up of so-called feed fishes. Most species of farmed fish, such as rainbow trout, are fed with a mix of plant and animal-derived food. As mentioned, common carp is not considered a high-quality product, and people buy it live for Christmas only because it's a tradition. It also has a reputation of not being tasty in comparison to other species, such as salmon, which is considered to be a high-quality delicacy. Furthermore, Salmon prices began slowly declining in Poland, which made it easier for consumers to buy it. Taking these factors into account, we started to worry that our work may cause more animals to be farmed than spared. This would be true in an unlikely scenario that people in Poland would switch to salmon just because they cannot participate in the tradition of buying live carp, with only frozen carp being available to them. For animal activists, it was somewhat unintuitive why a lack of live animals for sale would make people switch to other frozen animal species, rather than to the same frozen species. To verify our model, we commissioned a representative poll. Firstly, we asked how many are planning to buy live carps, 
25.5% reported doing so. From these, we asked respondents what they would choose for Christmas Eve if live carp was not available. While almost half, 47.1%, said they would just buy frozen versions of carp, to our surprise, 23.9% said they would switch to salmon and 21.2% to trout, followed by herring and pollock. In a follow-up, people pointed out that they are more likely to switch to salmon because the price fell in recent years. It's worth pointing out again that these self-reported answers seem to contradict some research where price was not an important factor in purchasing decisions, but rather the public perception of the product, like status, healthiness, availability, or difficulty of preparation. Furthermore, we asked Aquatic Life Institute to research the relation between live carp sales and fish-derived feed products usage to supplement our research. The data we obtained didn't look good for the campaign and pushed us to further consider how effective our work is. Here we see another image. It's some kind of industrial vat or container, a large wheelbarrow-shaped object, and it's full of carp. They're not underwater, but it's unclear whether they're alive or dead. And there's a hand wearing a black rubber glove resting on the edge of this container. Subheading. Looking at the numbers. Our poll suggests a trend to replace live carp with salmon. Salmon is a carnivorous fish, which means that choosing salmon instead of live carp could cause more animals to die. Yet we are sceptical of how much it can for sure be attributed to our campaign rather than other socioeconomic factors, and how much we should trust self-reported data. Nevertheless, because of the stakes of animal suffering, we wanted to be meticulous. We modelled a very conservative scenario where we assumed that due to Anima International's campaign efforts, just 1% of Polish people who usually buy live carp for their Christmas Eve meal switched to buying the same amount of salmon, non-live. We assumed that this 1% of consumers will buy the same weight of salmon as they would of carp. If 4 million kilograms of live carps are sold annually in Poland, it would mean 40,000 kilograms of carp replaced by salmon. The average slaughter weight of salmon is around 4 kilograms, and that of live carp around 2 kilograms. This roughly translates to 20,000 carps being replaced by 10,000 salmon. We need to understand how many animals are killed in order to produce one animal that is sold. There is some disagreement on how many fish a salmon would need to eat to reach slaughter weight. For example, Compassion in World Farming places the number at around 350 animals. But even if we take the smaller numbers from the Global Reporting Program, one Atlantic salmon consumes approximately 147 other fish before it is slaughtered. For comparison, one common carp requires only one feed fish. We also needed to take the mortality in fish farms into consideration. For common carps, the survival rate equals around 20.6%, while the survival rate in salmon is around 65%. To make calculations clear, we assume that one in five carp and two in three salmon survive until slaughter. We furthermore assume that fish that die prematurely eat only half of the feed. Based on a report linked here from animalcharityevaluators.org, calculations for animals used to produce a single fish look as follows. One carp equals one carp plus one feed fish plus four prematurely dead carps plus four prematurely dead carps multiplied by 50% of one feed fish equals eight animals. And one salmon equals 
one salmon plus 147 feed fish, plus 0.53 prematurely dead salmon, plus 0.53 prematurely dead salmon multiplied by 50% of 147 feed fish, equals approximately 187 animals. In this model, we want to assess how replacing 40,000 kilograms of product compares. For carps, it's 20,000 animals, which in total would mean 160,000 animals killed. For salmon, it's 10,000 animals, which in total would mean 1,870,000 animals killed. It means that it takes around 1,870,000 fish deaths to produce the amount of Atlantic salmon equivalent to 1% of the amount of carp sold alive in Poland each year. It takes approximately 160,000 fish deaths in total to produce 1% of the carps that are sold alive in Poland. For the purpose of the model, replacement means that carps are not produced and are spared the suffering of living in farmed conditions. So we need to subtract the number of animals killed in carp production from the number of animals used in salmon production. 1,870,000 minus 160,000 equals 1,710,000. This then represents 1,710,000 additional fish deaths which would not have happened if the switch had not been made. Our calculations suggest that buying one Atlantic salmon requires around 11 times more fish deaths than buying the same weight amount of common carp. To restate it, assuming that 1% of people would switch to salmon because of Anima International's work, this would lead to an 11-fold increase in the number of animals killed. It's also worth highlighting again that these calculations are only rough estimates, as reliable data regarding live fish sold in Poland is hard to obtain and that we use the most conservative data on how many fish a salmon would consume. Subheading. Problems when comparing welfare. Death is not the only moment a fish suffers, and it's clear that a carp sold alive and killed later may suffer more than a salmon which is slaughtered earlier in the farming process. At the same time, feed fish which are consumed by salmon are typically killed in extremely unethical ways, usually live freezing in ice slurry, asphyxiation, or getting crushed by the weight of other fish, and their agony often lasts a few hours. Because of this, and the differences in farming methods, fishers may suffer more or less during their lives, making it difficult to precisely calculate the levels of suffering for the two species discussed in this post. For the purpose of this model, we ignored these differences, as we used an already low estimate of 1% of consumers in the hope that a very conservative approach would offset any welfare differences. Here's an image. There's a fish inside a bucket which is tipped on its side with the last bit of water just running out of the bucket. In the background, out of focus, two industrial workers are holding a larger bucket and appear to be tipping it on its side as well. Subheading. Considering our future strategy. Speaking only about animals' lives, the case of the live fish campaign being negative for animals seemed clear. However, it wasn't clear how the model should impact our strategy. For example, whether we should discontinue the campaign altogether. For brevity's sake, this is a rough overview of considerations that our team flagged during the evaluation of the campaign. Some are more tangible, some are less. Some may seem organisation-centred rather than mission-oriented, but for the sake of transparency we want to include them. As a general note, it's hard to have high credence in thinking about indirect effects, as thinking about next-order effects of our work is very speculative. Here's a long series of headings with details under each. The first one is naivety of the model. There is a mismatch between our model and reality. For example, A, 
Asking people whether they would switch their dietary choices informs us only about what they respond to such surveys, which then correlates with outcomes that we extrapolate from it. Or B, we cannot be certain how consumers behave in a potential reality when we try to mitigate the effects of buying salmon, etc. Treating such models as strong evidence rather than an update seems to be an error. It seems that in the post, Why We Can't Take Expected Value Estimates Literally Even When They're Unbiased by Holden Konofsky, Holden explains in a very thorough way something that we try to point at, so we strongly recommend it. And the next consideration? Expert models. There was a clear negative correlation between how experienced a person is and how strongly they would update on how much our estimations should weigh on the strategy. More experienced campaigners felt that the update should be less drastic and more nuanced. This may be attributed to a number of factors. Stronger priors, sunk cost fallacy, better internal models of social change, higher scepticism of self-reports, etc. Next consideration. Negative reputational effects with donors. Considering how prominent a subject this is within Poland, many donors who supported this campaign will likely reconsider their support. Increase in public support for fish. In view of the very supportive reception of carb campaigns in Poland, it is possible that the potential increase in fish welfare awareness will outweigh downsides in the long term. And the next consideration? Alliance building tool. From our experience, working on relatively non-controversial issues is a good foot in the door to push support for subjects that are more controversial from a policy standpoint, like advocacy for broiler chickens. The increase in traction potentially gained with influential policymakers, institutions and trendsetters could be high enough for groups to continue such campaigns. Next consideration, diminishing returns. Most of the key results of the campaign have already been achieved. Most retailers don't sell live carps anymore. Furthermore, carps are sold live in marketplaces and small private shops which are difficult to impact directly. So even if we assume that this campaign is effective, we see diminishing returns in continuing to invest in it. Next consideration. Counterfactual value. Assuming that the campaign is effective, it's somewhat likely that due to other groups in Poland working on the issue, we don't have much value to add anymore. The counterpoint is that not working on it actively may stall the legal advancements for fish. Undermining cooperation with other groups. Stopping our work and reasoning about it openly may lead other groups in the space to disagree and treat it as adversarial, especially if our assessment would assert that their work is ineffective or make donors move away from supporting their CARP campaign. Next consideration. Opportunity cost. While Anima International's resources spent on the live CARP campaign are relatively low in comparison to our other programs, it's not obvious that moving these resources elsewhere would not produce more value. This argument is even stronger if we include coordination costs in a large organisation. Last consideration. Public consequences of decreasing our resources spent on fish welfare. While it may seem counterintuitive, as what matters is the impact for animals, from our experience, some grant makers and evaluators are usually too resource constrained to ask charities for their reasoning and tend to focus on collecting budget and FTE data to assess group effectiveness or criteria for funding. On paper, pausing fish work makes us less attractive for funders, especially if they don't have access to our reasoning. This, in consequence, may make it harder for us to raise funds to continue or expand our work. 
This dynamic of rewarding high expected value in quotes is also mentioned by Holden Konofsky at an article linked here. Heading, conclusion. In Anima International, we strive to advocate for animals in the most effective ways possible. Sometimes that means admitting that we've made mistakes, that a campaign isn't working, or that our interventions are not having the effect they should. The real mistake, of course, would be to never investigate our impact in the first place. When summing up the re-evaluation, we were not strongly convinced by the mere weight of the calculations. It seems to us that the effects of switching to carnivorous fishes, especially salmon, could be mitigated by incorporating proper tools into campaigning. The difference in intuitions between experts was the strongest evidence that made us especially cautious not to take the estimations at face value. Yet the data and our reasoning heavily reduced our confidence in the cost-effectiveness of the campaign. There are also plausible arguments in favour of important long-term effects for fish, despite the negative short-term outlook. However, in the real world, this would mean accepting the likelihood of vastly increasing fish suffering in the short term to reduce it in the long term. This somewhat resembles the greater good argument, which we think has a very negative track record and seems to enable fallacious reasoning. Therefore, we lean towards discarding it. Naturally, the most unnerving scenario for us as animal advocates is that the campaign we have been running for several years may in fact have had the exact opposite effect to what we wanted, increasing animal suffering. Nevertheless, at the risk of motivated reasoning, we consider the value of information and intellectual honesty as conducive to successful animal liberation. In the end, the expected negative value and reduction in our confidence in the overall campaign's effectiveness made us decide not to invest our resources further. We have indefinitely paused any major campaign actions and disbanded the whole team that managed it, redirecting resources elsewhere. It is important to note that this doesn't change anything in Anima International's commitment to work for aquatic animals, such as our work in regards to octopus farming. We are currently taking time to reassess how we can best have an impact for fish in Poland, reasoning from first principles. Heading. Request for feedback and support. We welcome feedback on this post and on our reasoning, especially critical feedback. If you have any thoughts on how we can improve our reasoning, we encourage you to comment or contact Veronica. And there's a link with contact details here. Heading. Acknowledgements. This post was based heavily on expertise and an input from Anna Izinska-Timoniuk, Kirsty Henderson, Anna Kozlovska, Paweł Ravitsky, Kivan Mostafavi, Bogna Wiltowska, and Andrew Skovron. Special thanks to Aquatic Life Institute for additional information. If you care about fish, who are particularly neglected animals, please consider donating to ALI. Heading, a kind reminder about Anima International's resource library. As always, we remind you about our resource library. If your work aims to help animals, you can use any of our materials as you wish, without crediting it. Visit animainternational.org resources for large amounts of investigative footage, including fish, as well as other resources. This was an audio version of Why Anima International Suspended the Campaign to End Live Fish Sales in Poland by Jakub Stencel and Veronika Zurek published on the 31st of December 2022. This reading was by Perrin Walker and produced by Type 3 Audio.